0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to all of you joining from everywhere, because we are mountain everywhere right now. People from all over the state, the country, even internationally, we received greetings from people in a number of different countries. Welcome, especially if it's your first time connecting with us. When I say it's a blessing to be able to come together like this, I'm not just saying that because I work for the church, but just as a person who's trying to figure it out. Stuck at home, five young kids, kind of liking being off school, but then again, not really. My wife and I losing track of the days, losing our minds sometimes, occasionally amusing ourselves with the funny memes and the videos being posted online, and then often sobered by the news and the media or from friends confirming that for more and more people, this is no laughing matter. Last Sunday, with the kids in the living room, two of uh, the kids on my lap, participating in the service is a strong reminder to me that I need this, and it is an incredible blessing. I hope you can experience it in that way today even with all of your your fears or your stress or gloominess or grumpiness or whatever has characterized your week, may God continue to meet you in these moments and lift you, strengthen you, and reveal himself to you in a powerful way. That's what we want. In fact, last week we began to align ourselves around a quest to discover who God really is, to see God revealed and, and really know God. A.W. Tozer famously said, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Your conception about God, it could could be accurate or not, but in any case, it's important because it will influence a lot about how you respond in a situation like what we're in right now. When we're pressed and stretched and scared and, and so much is uncertain and, well, unprecedented. A word I've heard Governor Hogan use several times now. We go searching for peace. We're searching for hope. We're searching for answers. And so, yeah, we're searching for God. Wondering if, well, if we find God, will that provide any of those things? Amidst all the stuff that we've heard about God and the questions we have about God, could we sift through that and get to a place of of clarity and confidence to be able to announce, like the refrain from that song, Waymaker, my God, that is who you are. Could we really see God and know God for who God is? And could that make a difference? I think the answer is going to be yes. But we're going to have to work for it. Uh, the first task will be to get a Bible in your hands. Uh, if you have one, if you don't, there will be some words on the screen you can follow along. Going all the way back toward the beginning of the Bible, I'm on page, I'm on page 19 in my Bible, Genesis 22. Uh, this part of the Bible. It may not be quite as famous as, say, David and Goliath or, or Moses parting the Red Sea. Maybe you've heard that before. But it has its own lore. Uh, it's from the life of Abraham. It reveals very important signposts of God's character. And this story has a way of illuminating the whole rest of the biblical story up through Jesus and uh, providing perspective for your story and mine. I'm not, I'm not trying to oversell it. I'm just saying it's important. It begins like this. Uh, Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham. Oh, so, so it's a test. Great. Uh, for the students who haven't had one in three weeks, here you go. Now it says, after these things. Well, what things? There's some history here, sum it up like this. The Bible is describing a world that is in, it's in disarray. Not the good, ordered creation that God designed, but full of rebellion, hatred, murder, and the things that still make the news today. God, the God we met last week, the powerful, creator, before all things, brilliant God, intervenes. Yes, people are wreaking havoc on the beautiful thing that God made, refusing God's life and blessing and everything that God wants to give because they insist on doing it their own way. But in the face of that, God says, I, I will still find a way to bring my blessing and goodness and my righteousness to these stubborn, rebellious humans through one man, whom I will love and teach to love and trust me, and through the family that I will give him, I will bless the whole world. That man is Abraham. And God made a promise to him, a promise that has implications for all the earth. God Is a promise maker. That's one thing that Abraham learns about God. Interesting because God certainly doesn't have to be. He's powerful enough, entitled enough to do whatever he wants, wouldn't have to put himself on the hook for anything. Yet, he limits himself by the promises he makes to us. Quick overview on how things played out after that. Uh, Abraham seems sometimes like this shining example of faith and trust in God's promises. And other times just not getting it at all. (laughs) Taking matters into his own hands. Obeying God's commands kind of almost all the way but not really. Lying to get himself out of trouble. Rerouting from the path that God directed. And in impatience, sleeps with his servant to jumpstart the family line that God promised him and his aging wife Sarah. The fate of the world is in this guy's hands? Well, not entirely. Because where Abraham is shaky, God is sure. Through the missteps, the offenses, the disbelief, and literally laughing in God's face, God only continues to reaffirm his promise to Abraham and Sarah and remain true to his word in spite of their doubt. Uh, chapter 21, it makes this pretty clear. It begins like this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God had promised them. The picture of God is coming into focus. He is not only a promise maker, but a promise keeper, even when dealing with promise breakers. Abraham experiences the test in Genesis 22 after all of these things. You and I are facing a test of our own. Like with every test, I I suppose, it's harder for some than others. But nevertheless, we are all in a test, every one of us. What things have brought you here? What's your story? You feel like someone with a history of past tests, always ready, always asymptom, tried and true, faithful. Reflect on your relationship with God, however long or short it is. I mean, Abraham's history with God, it's right there for everyone to see. Hero of faith, supposedly. Not a lot of great marks on a lot of his exams. He got some things right, but he got a bunch wrong. I can relate to that. I suspect you can too. I know we're not perfect. Oh, sure, behind the camera, you look good. But come on. We disappointed God. Disappointed ourselves. Haven't lived up to expectations. Gave up when things got hard. Cracked under pressure. Done things we regret. For some, to even say we've been shaky in our walk with God would be a generous way to sum it up. But... Regardless, bottom line is, whether or not you're even sure that you should be watching church online because you're not worthy, or whether you built the church, we all know what it's like to lack faith and to fail, and Abraham does too. Okay, after all those things, are we ready for the test that we're in right now? Can't go anywhere, can't do what you want, isolated from your family, getting sick. Working to the bone, working from home, out of work, grieving, lonely, anxious, stressed out. We're in it. And whether you've got a history of faith or failure or a mix of everything in between, God isn't so much focused on if you've trusted him in the past. He really just wants to know, will you trust me now in this test? Last week, it was Moses asking a question of God. Who are you? This time, it's God asking the question, Who am I to you? Who am I to you? The time of testing will reveal the answer for us and for Abraham. After all the things that Abraham had been through, God wanted to know. Abraham Who am I to you? The test that God gives Abraham will sound very strange to us. Inhumane and and senseless even. Uh, We'll let the Bible speak for itself. Genesis 22. God said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. On a mountain, I will show you. Sure, some people to their children to appease their God. Does the creator God also stoop to such brutality? Seems contrary to his nature. Contrary to his promise, Isaac is the child of the promise. His is the family line that will carry out God's blessing to the nations. God himself set those terms. What? I, I don't have all the answers to this test. I can only review wh- what I know. God made promises, and he's continued to keep them. Abraham has several times tried to re-engineer God's plans to be more suitable for him. You know, a compromise a bit to maybe have better control of the situation. And while it might seem uh, like if there were ever a time when it would be wise to trust your own instincts over God's command that this would be it, the other thing that's true is that all those times that Abraham took matters into his own hands, has done nothing to advance God's promise. Rather, in spite of that, God has delivered because that is who God is. God is a promise keeper. And that is what we know, or what we're trying to know, that God. The path ahead, it it doesn't make sense. Abraham's got to start a journey. He's ill-equipped to finish, And, and we probably all feel exactly that way right now we don't know where this is going. We don't know how long it's going to last. We, we don't know how bad it's going to hurt. We don't know what's going to fix it. It just appears that life is playing out like that children's book I've read to my kids before. We're going on a bear hunt out into the wilderness. Oh no, look at the tall grass. Look at the big river. Look at the slimy mud. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We have to go through it. And in doing so, the answer to this question will be revealed. Who is God to you? Exactly four years ago, I was uh, in Uganda. My wife and I had been there for about 60 days at this point with no certainty as to how many days we had left. We brought our three girls, ages eight, five, and two, but we'd sent them back home 30 days prior after discovering that we were in for much more than we had bargained for. We had come to adopt two boys, 15 months and 6 months old. We had packed 24 bags for this trip, far too much for me to carry, which is a fitting way to describe the whole experience. Holly and I have reflected several times how this current situation reminds us of our time being in Uganda. We were expecting to go for 6 to 8 weeks. Upon arrival, our court date got pushed back a month. So we got nothing to do except take care of two boys who we can't prove belong to us, nor can we even begin the process to make that happen. Uh, Can't go out. Pale-skinned folks being discovered with two brown-skinned babies that aren't theirs? Bad idea. My one-legged wife can't get around anyway. Oh, Holly's on crutches. She broke her ankle right before we left. My mom came along to help us, but pretty quickly started experiencing some scary symptoms with her eye, fearing that she had a detached retina. So she had to go home, leave after just a couple weeks. Trey, the oldest boy, got malaria right as we met him. Hey, buddy, here's your new daddy taking you to the doctor and holding you down while a stranger sticks you with the needle as you squirm and scream uncontrollably, welcome to the family. Maya, our youngest daughter, spiked an incredibly high fever, severely dehydrated, and if it weren't for the wrath of the mama bear unleashed on the doctors trying to help her, I don't know if she'd have gotten the help that she needed. So so we're managing all of this while stationed in what looks like a house in Uganda, but more like a compound to us. Every property in Uganda, and and much of the world really, is surrounded by a high wall. Looked like a prison. Felt like living in an oven. Hottest month of the year in Uganda, the house would gradually uh, heat up throughout the day, sustaining its intensity from noon to about midnight, and then cooling back down around 2 a.m. before resuming the cycle with the dawn of the next day. I'd I'd take naps on the tile floor because it was the coolest place available. When I wasn't doing that, I, I spent a lot of time just walking the yard, pushing the boys in a stroller in circles around the driveway over and over again inside the walls, which seemed to grow higher and more imposing each day. We were sheltered in place, a foreign place. Everything about the situation seemed to be keeping us from doing the thing that, that we would say God called us to do. He didn't speak audibly. I don't know if that's how Abraham heard him. But in any case, for us, this seemed to be a clear calling, a, a good, godly thing, a just thing, a biblical thing, according to James one twenty-seven, to care for orphans that have been discarded by their parents, one of them left in a trash bag in the ditch. I mean, yeah, sure, sure. We knew it was going to test us. But it didn't seem like it should be this hard. Especially since we haven't even gotten to doing the thing yet. No process is moving. We're just sitting there doing nothing. I can't really say it got easier when the process did begin. And there are many details I won't share. But I do remember one time, right about 60 days in, I was talking to my dad on the phone, and he, he finished the call by praying for me. And, and I remember he prayed for God to strengthen my resolve. I didn't like that prayer because I didn't want to keep going, I didn't want stronger resolve, I just wanted a resolution. I wanted the thing to be fixed. I just, I just want it out of there. Let me be done with it already. I'm not interested in the strength to keep going. But the test was not complete. Even though I was stuck in the middle of a journey, which I was ill-equipped to finish, I, I felt powerless to engineer some other plan. I, I couldn't manipulate the system. I, I was not in control of the situation. So... Somewhat angry about it, I embraced what was available to me. The resolve to continue on and trust God in spite of circumstances that made no sense. Abraham commits the same. Genesis 22 and verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the material for the fire and the knife. As the two, and the, as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up, and he said to his father, Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. Uh, I see the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can't blame the boy for asking. I, I mean, we, we got similar questions right now. The bills are here, but where's the money to pay them? The students are here in my house, but where will they get the teaching they need? My, my uniform is here, but where are the teams to play the game? Here is the caterer and the photographer and the guest list, but how can we have a wedding? Here is a family grieving a loss. Here, here is a person who needs support, but where will the comfort come from? Here are the sick that need to be cared for, but where is the manpower, the equipment, the expertise? I, Isaac is just doing some simple accounting, as we all would. Where is the lamb? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. They went on. Before it added up. Before the outcome was certain. Without knowing where the provision would come from. The faith that God will provide, God who had been faithful in the past, even when Abraham was faithless, the belief that that God will provide was enough to strengthen their resolve to go on. Will that be enough for us to go on and remain strong in the recovery journey and remain committed to our spouses? Will it be enough to calm anxiety, to provide financial peace? to finish school with the discipline, to keep being the church, keep loving, keep serving, keep giving, to keep seeking and obeying God even though you don't like what's going on in his world. Abraham and Isaac went on together. And when they had reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Last week we learned God's personal name, Yahweh. It's here that Abraham meets Yahweh Yira, or Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. It was a dramatic scene. And the place is forever marked by this incredible event. But but on God's side, this this is an everyday kind of thing. Uh, Historically, he has only showed himself to be a promise keeper all along. And this time is no different. It, It was Abraham that had something to prove. Who am I to you, Abraham? Ah, now I know, God says. Now I know that you love me even more than your beloved son. Now I know that you have made me number one. Now I know where I stand. Now I know you trust me enough to obey fully. No more compromises. Not only did Abraham arrive at the place of clarity and confidence to be able to say, My God, that is who you are, provider. But God also found the answer to the question that he was looking for. And I believe he is seeking the same answer from us in this test. Who is God to you? it's important to understand a couple of things. Uh, number one, Yahweh Yira, God the provider, is found in the test. Having a real encounter with that God happens in the midst of the test. Oh yeah, we may like it when we can say, I experienced God at the beach, or on the fishing boat, or walking through the woods, or hearing a child's laughter, and I'm sure you do. But Yahweh Yira comes into focus in the time of the test he is met at the end of a hard climb on the mountain of the lord it will be provided and and probably most of us don't like tests big time perk being out of school right now no tests well at, at least not not the book learning kind in every other facet of life yes tested patience test of financial security test of loneliness test of sickness of loss Uh, test of distance from friends and and being overworked or underworked Uh, test of leading a family a business a church through times for which there is no script this is a hard climb We have no idea when we'll arrive at the place toward which we are striving. All we know is that God, the provider, has been tried and true in the past and he does not change even though the way is hard. It is precisely by staying on the path that you meet the God who provides. Yahweh Yira. God is found even where answers are not. Even where relief is not. God is there. Number two, Yahweh Yirah is found through obedience. For Abraham, God's provision was realized in the context of his obedience. The real test is not, you know, the real test is not for God. It's, it's whether or not we really want God more than anything else, which is proven through obedience. Who is God to you? Providing is not hard for God. It's not a test for him. It's part of his nature. And he provides so much indiscriminately the bible describes god as exceedingly gracious and merciful causing the sun to shine on the evil and the good rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked generously hosting all of us in in his world caring for the flowers of the field and the birds of the air sustaining everything from the earth's rotation to our hearts pulsation so that life can not just exist but thrive He he just provides that freely, unearned. Furthermore, he knows our needs. Like a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children, the Bible testifies. God's generosity shows up everywhere. And, And sure, you can even experience it while ignoring God. But he is asking, who am I to you? What he really wants is a real, loving, trusting relationship with you and me. And and out of his love, he, he gives direction on how to live and to find purpose through loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And anyone who is obedient to that will discover not just God's gifts of provision, of strength, of peace, of joy, of wisdom, but they will discover the giver himself. Yes, following God's call Living out his mission can be a hard climb. God never guarantees anything else. But in committing it, committing to it, without compromise, you can be confident that you will not lack what you need. And even more than that, that you will be enriched by an ever-deepening relationship with God himself. The kind of thing that only exists when you go, not around, not away from, but through the test in obedience. I have noticed. It's when I am finally generous that God provides what I need. It's when I'm faithful and responsible with my time that I always seem to have enough of it. It's when I finally get over myself and sacrifice for others that I find myself fulfilled. It's when I'm obedient to my marriage vows and I submit to meeting my wife's needs ahead of my own that I discover joy in the relationship. And my needs are met. God provides. It was when we went to Uganda and stayed in the house with the heat and the mosquitoes and the bedbugs and when my wife hopped along on one leg. It was when we sat there without electricity for a week during the Easter holiday. It was in navigating the backwards court system and the embassy's process. It was in doing the right thing. Taking the next right step through gritted teeth for 105 days. that God provided. And yeah, eventually brought us home. And yeah, provided for our financial needs. I don't even know How? We we, we had a plan. We were there twice as long as we expected. We adopted two kids. And the cost for one is insane. I just know I kept paying for stuff. And somehow we didn't run out of money. And we didn't break the law either. (laughs) It was in the test. It was through obedience. That by God's provision of grace, we came to know Yahweh Yirah God provides. My God, that is who you are. We are all in a test. One that will reveal God, uh, who God is to each one of us. If he is a talisman that we're trying to manipulate for our own gain, Or someone relegated to the back seat when he insists on going a direction we don't want to go. Or if he is our first love, our first priority, who is God to you? And in what way is God calling you to trust and obey him right now? Maybe it's simply to repent. Because you've you've got a history, long history, a recent one that up until now has largely ignored God and it's time to give him your full devotion. To be done compromising. God is ready to forgive no matter how past tests have gone. It could be that God is calling you to still be faithful in giving to his world blessing mission even when your income is in question. That same mission that continues in Jesus' name through the church started with Abraham. Some of the most amazing stories I've heard and the strongest people I know who've lived the most exhilarating lives I know are those who have done exactly that in times of scarcity and watched God provide through them and to them. Many of them are not rich people financially. It could be that God is calling you to stick with something that would be far easier to give up, like a marriage, sobriety, Or continuing to serve others through exhaustion. No matter what things have happened to bring you to the time of this test, may God strengthen your resolve for the journey ahead. I don't know. I don't know how bad it will get. I don't know how many will get sick or will die or will lose their jobs. But I do know that none of that can stop God from keeping his promises to provide and leading us through the hard climb. And I can testify to what I have experienced, that the God who provides will be found in this test and through our obedience, because that is who he is.